Hey, this is Dewey from Pure Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels. There's the $5 level and the $10 level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out, um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in-person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money. And I always try to find the best deal for sure uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help bring more in-person interviews, more travel, more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free. Uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go. Um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing. And I thank you so much. Hey, this is Blasco, host of Manage Mental, part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Manage Mental brings you our takes on the modern day music business and how we mentally approach the profession of management. Join Mike Mowry and myself as we cover hot topics in the industry, answer fan questions, provide insight on sales numbers, and showcase new music with a slant toward developing artists. Listen and subscribe at jabberjawmedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to take a quick minute to let you guys know about Rockabilia.com. I know you guys know Rockabilia. You've seen those ads with all the colorful T-shirts for all those bands. I know for me it was a big deal growing up in Alaska, back in the woods where there was no internet, and we'd get those magazines at the store... And I would do two things. First, I would go to Rockabilia, that big full-page colorful ad, and find the coolest t-shirt I could find, the band that looked the most badass. Then I would go to the page in, and I would look at BMG for the five or ten CDs for a penny, and I would go through and try to find those bands, make that connection, and order those records. And a lot of those bands ended up changing my entire life. Now, before the internet, you could always go on and look in those magazines and see those shirts, but now it's all online, rockabilia.com. Great rates on shipping, the same great merchandise, the same amazing bands, and it's a lot easier to go check those bands out. For me, it was partially discovery and partially, you know, just becoming a teenager, becoming an adult, going through and finding those bands. So one hilarious story for Rockabilia was I got my first white zombie t-shirt through Rockabilia. It was a black and white t-shirt with the band on it. All my friends started making fun of me for wearing that shirt because they were getting into punk rock and I was still into metal. Now, I never got out of metal, but Rockabilia was there after the the hazing got too much, and I went and ordered my first Green Day shirt 
from Rockabilia, which in turn started off my entire musical career going from playing Green Day covers back in the trailer in Alaska in the woods to the stages of the world playing with Anatomy of a Ghost and Portugal the Man. And Rockabilia had a big part in that. I know it will for you as well. I know it still does. It's nostalgic, but at the same time, they've been keeping up with the times online, rockabilia.com. Check them out now and have your own discovery. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to yet another week of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you great content week after week. And this week, we have a fantastic guest right here in Portland, Oregon. We were able to do this in person, which was fantastic. I love it when we're able to do in-person interviews more than on the phone because it, everything seems a lot more genuine and real, and it's nice to be able to look someone in the face and uh, get that body language and everything else. It really helps with the conversation and moving things along, and and uh, it's just a good time. And and this was a really cool interview. Uh, Mr. Andy Hurley, Andrew Hurley from Fallout Boy and from Sect. Sect just released their new album, No Cure for Death, on Southern Lord, and it is a fantastic record, absolutely fantastic. It is heavy. As I, I, it's one of the heaviest things I've heard all year. I mean, it's it is brutal, and it's it's it really showcases his drumming abilities and his love for you know vegan straight edge hardcore. And as you guys probably know, uh, you know fans of Sect and then fans of Fall Out Boy. That Fall Out Boy came up through the hardcore scene, and all those guys kind of met through that whole thing. We talk about that a little bit on the int- uh, in the interview. And, uh, you know, that was always something that was fairly well known, uh, that they're all into hardcore music. But, you know, it, they've been extremely successful with Fall Out Boy, and, and uh, it's been awesome to see that band rise to as far as they have. I mean, it's absolutely insane the amount of, of success they've had. And the fact that Andy can go from playing in, you know, we talked about it in the interview, but going from playing Madison Square Garden to going and playing a bar in Portland. And having the same, you know, the same feelings, the same amount of fun, the same energy, uh, 
is just a really, really cool testament to his character, and and uh, he just loves playing music. And what a fantastic dude! What an interesting guy. I mean, he's into so many things. He's he's big into the vegan straight edge movement. He's big into CrossFit. We actually talked a little bit about maybe getting him to start a, a CrossFit podcast. Um, but CrossFit's something I'm not familiar with, but he is very into it. And I know he's done a couple podcasts on that as well. And uh, what a cool dude. He's got uh, a coffee shop down here in Portland, about three blocks from my office, uh, which I didn't know. Uh, it's called Oracle, and uh, it's down the south waterfront in Portland. And uh, when I hit him up, you know, we just met up at Oracle and, and found this cool lounge next door that uh, there was no one in and just had a great chat. And uh, I feel like I learned a lot about Andrew and and uh, his rise to success and his you know new venture with Sect. And I'm telling you guys, you got to check out this record on Southern Lord. It is it is brutal. And uh, you know I I got so stoked listening to it, and, and I know you guys are gonna like it as well. Um, and Fallout Boy is releasing a new record as well, and and uh, hitting some pretty massive shows for the end of the year. These Jingle Ball shows uh, with you know Taylor Swift and, and I mean just giant artists um which they are as well so i mean it's it's peers for them and uh so you know good on those guys for for all they've done and all they're doing um and so let's get some business out of the way and then we'll get into my interview with andy and and uh you know i'm stoked for you guys to hear it it's it was a fun episode to do so we are on peerpleasurepodcast.com we are on instagram we are on twitter we're on facebook everywhere podcasts are available um, we have our Patreon, the Pleasure Seekers Club, patreon.com slash Podcast. Head over there now, sign up, uh, support the show. You throw a couple bucks of the show every month. You can join up for, you know, merch deals and all sorts of cool shit. And, uh, you know, really stoked to have the people we have already. But, yeah, if you don't want to, if you're not able to support the show, definitely tell a friend. Uh, if they listen to the show as well, let, let them know about the Pleasure Seekers Club if I haven't rammed it down their throat enough already. Uh, but we are also sponsored by Rockabilia.com, and Rockabilia.com has been in the business forever of selling rock and roll merchandise, and they have literally everything. I mean, you can you can search any band on there. They've got licensed merchandise. They're not you know knockoffs from China. They are legitimate licensed merchandise. And you know, like I said in the 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 ad at the beginning of the show. You know, since I was a kid, I've been using Rockabilia, so it's it's pretty awesome to be sponsored by them. They've been doing great things for us, for the network Jabberjaw. They've sponsored the whole network. I mean, they're really putting some stuff into us, and and you know, love having them on board. And our newest sponsor is Stumptown Coffee Roasters right here in Portland. So the Peer Pleasure Podcast is now powered by Stumptown Coffee Roasters. They're opening a couple new locations in town. And I'll have links to that up in the show notes where those new shops are. If you are in Portland listening to the show, you can also order online from them. And they have delivery service. And it's an amazing company, an amazing product. And we are stoked to have Stumptown on board. So definitely check them out at stumptowncoffee.com. Let them know Pure Pleasure sent you. If you head into the shops, same thing. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Andrew Hurley from Fallout Boy and Sect.
right, Andy Hurley. Hey, how's it Do you it prefer going? Andrew? Uh, either or. Okay. In my later years, my sunset years, I've <laughs> likened, I, I've liked uh, Andrew a little more. Awesome. Okay. Well, Andrew Hurley, welcome okay. to the Pure Pleasure Podcast, my friend. Yeah. Thank you for having Dude, me. Dude, this is awesome. You're in Portland. We're both in Portland. We're in the lounge of the, what is it? The Ella? Ella. Yep. Ella building. A beautiful building down on the south waterfront yep. and all these towers that have gone up. Yeah. But, uh. Dude, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. So, what's going on with you right now? You're you're in town for another day and yep. and flying out to do a bunch of One more radio day. shows and and then the radio jingle balls and all okay. that kind of Christmas radio shows. Um, just did a weekend with Sect, which was fun. Yep, really awesome. Record just um, came out. Yep, record just came out. They have a few shows on the East Coast that I can't do because of the radio shows. I was okay. hoping to double duty, but I think it will just be too. <laughs> crazy yeah i was looking at that schedule and i was thinking is he gonna do i was hoping to do new york where i'd play madison square garden and then (laughs) take a taxi to a punk club (laughs) but i thought we were i assumed we were playing way earlier because it's like taylor swift and kesha and like one probably one of the bigger jingle balls yeah so they have all the the bigger names and usually at those we'll play like first we're like the opening band sure because we're you know, sl- basically Slayer on those <laughs> yeah. those nights. Um, so I was hoping we'd be early enough and I could go over. But then part of me also wanted to watch Taylor Swift. Yeah. And now we don't play until nine, so I don't think I could make it anyway. Okay, that'd be insane. This is. Yeah. A, have you seen the uh, the? It's Beats One has a podcast network. I think is mm-hmm. what it is. And Lars from Metallica has a podcast mm-hmm. on there. And I haven't he, listened, but okay. I knew about it. He just did one with Dave Grohl. And Dave Grohl was talking about how they got offered to do to play as Mick Jagger's backing band on SNL. Damn. But they had a show in Jersey that night. They'd already been paid for it or whatever. Like they could not back out of it. So they actually chartered a helicopter to fly from their show to SNL and back. Wow. And they did it. Yeah. That's crazy. And they did it. It's a great story. You have to check it out. If you got time <laughs> on some of these flights. Yeah. It's it's hilarious. But that reminded me of that. Like Madison Square Garden, then straight to where where where's Sect playing in um, New York? I'm not sure. I'd look, but yeah. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Small punk club. Small punk club. In Brooklyn, I'm sure. Yeah. St. Vitus, maybe. St. Vitus. Okay. We used to play um, the Continental, mm-hmm. I think oh, it was yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. It's just a hallway, basically. Yeah. It's a hallway with a back line. Yep. Yeah. We did any showcase we did there. Yep. It was awful. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Man. Well, let's jump back a little bit. I want to just get some history on you at first, and for, for my listenership especially, um, very, I have a pretty varied audience and uh varied guests you know from all different walks of of the music industry and everything else mm-hmm. um but for those not familiar with you uh you grew up in in milwaukee yep okay milwaukee, what was what was childhood like for you did you have um i know you lost your dad early yeah um you know single parent home single mother how how was growing up for you was it uh, difficult I mean, was it yeah it was typical suburban stranger things Mm-hmm. whatever bikes and friends and role-playing games and getting into thrash metal early yeah. and slayer and metallica and anthrax the big four i guess uh getting into punk through that getting into hardcore through that okay um, how did how young were you when you got into family. that uh my dad was fi- my dad no, no no how how early were how how young were you when you got into like thrash and, um, and all that stuff like I got into, well, I remember going to Tower Records or some, mm-hmm. or maybe Camelot or some, like, mall. 
sure. record store back when vinyl was still in stores. Mm-hmm. And I got to get two records. I was going with my sister and my mom. Okay. And I got Kill 'em or Ride the Lightning because the cover was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> and Van Halen won. Okay. Self-titled. And that was it. That Man. was when, must have been around when Ride the Lightning came out. Yeah. How old are you then? Six. Wait. Ride the Lightning came out in 84. I was yeah. four. You were four in 84. Yeah. So you were born in 80. Yeah. Okay. So I was born in 82. So. 85, let's pretend. Okay. Five years wow. old. That's insane. I mean, I got into music through my brother and sister's record collection. Sure. Like Queen and uh, Adam Ant and uh, Duran Duran and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. That's wild. Five years old, listening to Red Lightning. I didn't hear Metallica until I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it was on some kid's cassette player on the bus. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? It was the Black Album. I mean, I think I got into Metallica consciously Yeah. around... 88. Okay. I think around And Justice coming out. Yeah. Okay. Or Garage Days or something. Interesting. And then when when did you start playing drums? What what got you into um, drums? I mean, that's what got me into drums. Definitely Thrash, straight, straight up. Slayer. Okay. Um, and I was always banging on pots and pans. I didn't start playing until middle school, I think. Okay. And did you start playing like in the school band or anything like yeah, that? Or did I you have a drum kit? I started playing saxophone though because okay. the percussion section was filled up sure so i was taking drum lessons and saxophone lessons and playing saxophone in school until i was able to play drums at school okay and then you got into drums at school and that was that was it mm-hmm. man how long did it take you to get really proficient as far as i mean uh, uh, well enough to play i guess you don't I, have don't to be know. well enough to play in a band but uh i started playing in bands freshman maybe sophomore year okay. of high school and these are heavier bands at uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it started as this band Global Scam, which was th- this dude, Leroy, who was like a long haired death metal head, but also really into like sick of it all and no effects. And like, so there, it was a really, I mean, as most bands were, you know, at 14, 15, yeah. it was a really confused band in terms of genre. Okay. Just all sorts of different things yeah. i can't even really remember what it sounds like now but just a mixed bag everyone of, yeah, bringing their own of all sorts of stuff yeah playing what you can i guess mm-hmm. at that time man that's so interesting and you you have an interesting position because as a drummer you can go between a lot of things like you're doing now like you're going between a, a very successful uh you know rock band to i mean sect is heavy Mm-hmm. I listened to the record again today at work, and it's just so <laughs> heavy. I love it. Like it, it was. It's just so weird going back and forth. And I actually went back and forth a couple times on Spotify between Sect and Fall Boy, and uh, just just to listen to the the style and everything oh, yeah. else because it's really hard to to uh, decipher between the two. Like I don't hear a specific style of playing. Like it's it's not like you know that's that's Andrew. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's totally, I mean, you just shapeshift. It's crazy. Thank and, you. Uh, that's awesome. The record is fantastic, the sect record. And uh, that's initially what I had reached out. Mm-hmm. And um, I reached out to my buddy Johnny Minardi. Yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. And uh, talked about it because we, we had mentioned, he had mentioned sect. I was down in Orange County for a podcast convention, and we had lunch with Johnny, and, and he mentioned that you were playing in a, this heavy band. And... Uh, I checked it out and, and uh, like there's like some online stuff mm-hmm. um, 
recording videos and things like that with Kurt and mm-hmm. yep. um yeah then he's like yeah just reach out and I reached out on the Facebook and and uh that was it yeah that was awesome and, and he's like yeah he's in Portland now it probably probably talked to crazy, Andy yeah. I was like what <laughs> small world <laughs> yeah and uh, how long have you been in Portland uh two years two and a half years okay where were you before that were you still Milwaukee, in Chicago or, or Milwaukee okay yep. so you've been the other you, guys moved to LA quite early and okay. I just Never. I mean, I actually love LA, mm-hmm. but I don't ever want to live there. Yeah. But during the recording of American Beauty, American Psycho, I was flying once a week and it was, it's like four, four hours or six hours there. And then mm-hmm. four or whatever, whichever you get the tailwind. So it's a little faster. Yeah. But it, so it'd be like six hours one way, four hours the other way. And it was just killing me and it was for like one day yeah and this so is I commercial like, i have to i have to what's that was this commercial flights yep okay Coach. I, so i have to move <laughs> to the west coast yeah. somewhere just because i can't keep doing that it hasn't been as grueling for this record and for any of the press stuff we've done this time yeah i think that was kind of a a crazy scenario because we did we came back from hiatus and did save rock and roll and went yeah did all the touring and then went straight into the next record mm-hmm. pretty fast because we had a record written. Yeah. Whereas this time it was a little slower process in terms of writing. We actually pushed the record back and yeah, you know needed I to saw get that. a better set of songs. Okay, so it was to actually do different songs, not the yeah, problem with recording it, or anything else. It was actually it was the to material. Finish writing. I, I we had enough songs for a record, but yeah. we cut two songs. I think maybe. I mean, I'd imagine we cut 30 songs that I've never heard, like the weird skeleton versions, yeah. because Joe and Patrick are writing constantly. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff I don't hear. Yeah. Um, but in terms of stuff that was album ready, mm-hmm. I know there's two songs we cut that I actually really love, but in hindsight with what the record turned out to be i think it's definitely the right choice as Makes a whole a lot of sense okay so yeah it was mainly to there's a few songs that were i think the songs that were coming as we needed to finish recording for the original date mm-hmm. the songs that were coming out were so much better that we were like why stop now just to put a record out at a certain date that yeah. we set and why not just finish writing songs that are obviously better yeah Absolutely. Put out the best thing you can. I mean, yeah. so you're flying back and forth. Jesus, that's crazy. Yeah. Once a week. Oh, I don't, I, oh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I've, there's people that travel for work, but that's just, yeah. it's got to be grueling. I mean, it's still pretty grueling, but. Yeah. I mean, right now your way. schedule, I mean, and having time to do this other band, I mean, is, I mean, and you got all sorts of other stuff going on during the hiatus. What were you up to? As far as, um, I, mean, I mean, everyone else was doing their, I think people were putting out solo records and stuff. Yeah. Or, well, I did a band with Joe, The Damn Things, and Keith I didn't know that. From Every from Time I Die. Every Time I Die. Scotty okay. Ann from Anthrax. Wow. Yeah. I did not even know <laughs> that. That's cool. That's insane. <laughs> um, now I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. That's crazy. Soon. Okay. Perfect. Um, so you're picking up drums, you, you know, you're, you're starting bands. How did you get involved with with uh, Fall Out Boy? Was it through Pete, meeting Pete and, um, and playing in bands? Or? Yeah, I, I met Pete when I was 15. Mm-hmm. I think I wasn't able to drive yet, but maybe I just had turned 16. Regardless, um, in Milwaukee, there's this place called The Rave Bar, uh-huh. or The Rave, 
where a lot of shows are, Eagles Ballroom. That it's is all one. Yes, that but the is Rave insane. Bar was a bar in in that club. Okay, that had hardcore shows like three times a week one summer. Uh-huh. It was just an amazing summer for hardcore music. Yeah, so I was going to shows a lot that summer. I was straight edge and vegetarian, I think. Okay. And I had met Pete, and he was like the only vegan person I I knew. Okay. And so I remember asking him like you know, what do I do? What do I eat? And he like wrote his name and number and then a bunch of stuff that I could get at grocery stores. Uh And that's how we first met. And then, uh, I did a band, a hardcore band in Milwaukee called kill the slave master. Mm -hmm. Uh, the dude who played guitar for that played drums and race trader when they were like Mm -hmm. a grindcore band and he wanted to switch to guitar. So I came in and started playing drums for race trader and then Pete would fill in, for race trader, okay, race I, he Trader's was like a, a luminary, I guess, in the Chicago hardcore scene. Okay, so we would do bands together and yeah, stuff like that. Okay. And that's how we initially met. And then I met Joe because he was a big fan of Kill a Slave Masters, so uh-huh. through the hardcore scene. And then I was doing another band called Project Rocket that has a split with Fall Out Boy. Okay, before I was in Fall Out Boy, uh huh, and. Because there was, what, two drummers before you, right? Really short? Like, one was in there for, like, two? a year, and then the other one was in there for... I think three. One three. on okay. a record, okay. and then two actual members. Okay. And so, that's crazy. I mean, you guys meet it, and then the rave is is a crazy place, anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole podcast episode on that as well, with the, the labeled awesome. podcast or whatever <laughs> for Tooth & Nail that the guys from Emory do. They talked to, they talked to a bunch of people about that club, but... Um, so you guys, you know, meet, he's your only vegan guy, you know, so you, so you, were you vegetarian your whole life? Uh, no, I, okay. I went, became vegetarian when I was 14 or 15. Okay. 14, and so with Pete being a vegan, what, was that what prompted you? You were interested in veganism or, or like what drew you to that? Uh, I was interested already because of okay. bands like Earth Crisis yeah. and, you know, different hardcore bands that more vegan. ethical yeah. the ethics of, of hardcore and, yeah. and the whole thing i okay. mean i think it was getting into rage against the machine when i was really young mm-hmm. and then like punk bands like propagandi and yeah you know all these other bands that were talking about human rights and mm-hmm. social issues so then when i found earth crisis who kind of you know at in 1994 were you know a metal band in 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 the standards of hardcore sure and they married you know, all these ethical things with straight edge and mm-hmm. veganism with super heavy music. Yeah. That was it. I was just, that was like my Star Wars for hard, <laughs> hardcore where I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Locked it in. So you made that commitment right then and there to, to and, and with straight edge, same thing, same thing, getting into it uh, through yeah. hardcore and, and oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Like early rev bands yeah. today and all that. Okay. Awesome. But I think it was Earth, again, Earth Crisis that made it so cool where i was like i gotta do this because i i smoked pot when i was kind of younger and yeah drank and stuff sure and, and most you know, people have being that my mom was raising me and she knew she was really bummed and scared and i knew it was bumming her out mm-hmm. so i think it bummed me out that i was bumming her out so so you and your mom had a really close relationship and mm-hmm. and uh that's that's interesting that the, for a young person to be that, you know, introspective and realize that they're hurting or even care that they're hurting their parents' feelings. I mean, I'm sure it was probably different being that's your only parent that's with you. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, dad's pissed at me, but, you know, mom doesn't care. It's, yeah. 
this is what I have. Yeah, totally. What about your brothers and sisters? Were they involved in that whole scene as well? Or, or no, as far as uh, I have five half brothers, four half sisters that all kind of left wow. way early. They, okay. We shared a dad. Mm-hmm. And then obviously when he died, a lot of them kind of scattered to the wind. Yeah. I think a lot of them probably resented my mom, you know, yeah. for coming in, you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff, which is I get. But the younger ones were around when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they were kids and teenagers. And when they went to college and kind of went off on their own life, they disappeared as well. Yeah. Okay. Which I get. I mean, when you're a kid like it's kind of what happens in your life yeah you set off on your own sure but i think it affected me a lot i i knew you know i knew that they kind of left i felt like abandoned a little bit by Mm -hmm. them but has that affected you i think it affected me in terms of how my friendships are like you know the the modern you know your family are are the people you choose your friends and stuff sure so that's always been really important to me okay i mean i live i think it's the reason i live at a house with a bunch of my friends okay that's what i think matt maori was mentioning that is that the guys from uh misery signals, misery signals. Yep. okay yeah he had mentioned that to me so you keep you know you keep a not an entourage but you keep a, a group of close friends with you all the yeah. time and and uh are you married nope okay so no kids and no, anything like yet. that. So, so that that definitely comes into play here too. I mean, you've been in you've been in this band a long time. Yeah. And with the same guys, mm-hmm. go on hiatus, come back, same guys. It's yeah. not, and so it's kind of the same thing. You got these lifelong friendships. Yeah. You know, and do you feel like you have to? You seem like someone with a lot of conviction as far as you know, straight edge for one for as long as you have been, the vegan lifestyle. Once you get into it, I'm sure it's fairly easy once you know what you're doing and everything else, but it takes conviction to stick to that, especially in your position. I mean, you're in a position where you have access to a lot of things. You could, you know, uh, being, you know, shuttled around and all this. I mean, having access to food could be difficult as far as, or, hey, we're going to dinner here tonight, you know, and you have nothing really you can do. To have that conviction to stay that way and and, and hold your ethics is is super admirable. Thank but you. at the same time, do you, do you feel that it's difficult to um, maintain relationships or, or um, I guess what I'm saying is, you know what you're looking for when you're looking for friends and things like that. Do you ever change who you are or, or waver on who you are at all to, or find yourself doing that to, to try and hold on to friends? Does that make sense? Yeah, where, where you know, you want to have these deep friendships and things like that, mm-hmm. to where you try a lot harder to make it work versus, well, see you later. I think I've just been lucky enough to. I mean, my core group of friends have been my friends mm-hmm. since, you know, the late '90s. Yeah, it's the same group, and it's a pretty big group. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty extended family of friends. So, and then we've kind of that group has kind of run into other groups of friends that have kind of become enveloped in, you know, the bigger group. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's ever really been an issue. And and the, the the thing that's always kind of brought us together has been hardcore or punk. Mm -hmm. And whether it be like, you know, all the misery signals dudes were at one point, all straight edge. Mm -hmm. Some of them still are. Um, and then a lot of the new newer friends we've gotten have been vegan straight edge or yeah. vegan or straight edge. So I think it's never really been an issue. And I okay. think at this point I have such a 
wide and diverse group of friendships that I don't feel the need to. I, I've been, you know, I've been vegan straight edge for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and I've, you know, I've been in the same band for uh, <laughs> yeah. too long. And, you know, I'm 37. I just don't think I need to make new friendships where I'd need to change anything about sure. myself. Sure, or try. Yeah. I mean, really, if it yeah. happens, it happens. It, it, it happens or it doesn't. That's awesome you have that foundation, too, because the other thing that comes to mind from watching, you know, my guys with Portugal, like, all of a sudden, everyone's your friend in that mm-hmm. position, in, in, in the position you are. You're in a position where you have a lot of people telling you yes that maybe don't actually think yes, but are telling you yes, mm-hmm. to where you are thrust into this situation where you need to be able to decipher between these people that are, you know, out to help themselves out to, you know, to where you have this foundation now of friends that you know who you can trust who are in the same boat as you actually, some of them are in the same boat as you to where they're going through this as well. How was, how was that transition for you when you started to notice that kind of, or did you even notice that at this Uh, point? I mean, you've got probably you're with crush mm -hmm. music. Um, and you've been with them for probably a long time. Oh, a long I mean, time, yeah. you've got people around you that you trust in the business end, but are there a lot of people on the other side that maybe you aren't in your close knit group that you've seen trying to do that kind yeah, of thing? I, I, th- I have probably seen it. I think I see it less than maybe Pete does. Who's more of the, on the business side of things. Yeah. I'm kind of more behind the scenes. Sure. I'm not really involved in a lot of, that side of it where mm-hmm. I, I think I'd see a lot of that. I mean, in terms of people coming around, I've definitely seen people try to latch on yeah. and I, you know, I can see that from a mile away as most people could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it does help having people. I've been my friends since well before that. Yeah. It, and it definitely helps having crush who's been with us since way before we were big. And yeah. They believed in us and let us do the thing that made us us. Mm-hmm. So, I think they're, we trust them to help navigate those things yeah. correctly. Okay. But, you know, I think, I think Pete's so single-minded and focused in mm-hmm. what he, his vision is for the band and, and what it means and, and what the DNA of it is that I don't think it matters what other people think or say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been crazy that we've been able to, be a band and stay relevant this long yeah while evolving musically and, and and changing and doing different things and pushing our bound our boundaries and stuff and i think he's a big part of that yeah that vision and and there's Just always a visionary fast yeah yeah i mean everyone in the band is and everyone adds to it patrick mm-hmm. is you know the primary songwriter and but i think pete's kind of the guy who is is leading us down the path Okay. That makes sense. He writes most of the lyrics and yep. things like that too. Okay. And I mean, it's such an interesting, uh, an interesting spot to be in, you know, and, and I, I talked to, to, um, who'd I talk about this with, uh, Anthony green from Circa. Cause he's kind of got this celeb, uh, aura around him to where no one cares about anyone else in the band. Yeah. And I was asking him what it's like when someone, you know, everyone, that you meet at shows and everything like that is meeting an idea. They're not meeting you. They're meeting an idea of who they think you are. And Mm -hmm. if that messes with your head, does you, do you find that at all? I mean, you meet a lot of people and you and I just literally just met, but 
you meet a lot of people at, in the position you're in that are there to see you do what you do. Not necessarily, you know, oh, hey, Andy, it's hey, yeah. Andy from Fall Out Boy. Hey, yeah. Andy from whatever. Does that mess with you at all as far as uh, those interactions being less genuine than, than you would if you were just, you know, just worked at the coffee shop? And, and no, not, uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, that's hard to answer. I, I don't think it can't. I don't think there's a way you could be going through this and not be affected by it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was a f- am a fan of music. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, I know that the people with those unrealistic ideas and where you're just an idea and you're not a real yeah. human being, I know they're younger kids and we're idealized versions of something that means a lot to them. And mm-hmm. that's super special. And I think you have to remember that going into any, um, you know, conversations with people who put that on you. Yeah. That it's not done for, you know, shitty reasons. It's because you represent something. Sure. That maybe helped them get through something or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And that's really cool. That's and amazing. I think, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's tough because I think, I feel like, we're human enough to people we're still caricatures Mm -hmm. but we're you know maybe we've been lucky as a band of fans that have understood that we're people yeah i feel like more than others or something they they embrace that side of us but i'm sure like i said we're still caricatures of these people they think we are or whatever yeah um and it can be weird but i don't know i just don't there's such a weird, um, what's the word? I can't think of a simple word right now. I hate when this <laughs> happens. <laughs> There's such a, a break between that. Like, I just can't comprehend it, really. Yeah. It's hard to com- fully comprehend. Sure. I understand it intellectually, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I when I talk to anyone, I'm I don't feel like this famous celebrity i just feel like a human being talking to someone sure i approach every conversation like that and you're you're one of the most down-to-earth people i've ever talked to as far i mean i just love how you are who you say you are you know what i mean like you you this whole conversation so far i mean just very straightforward and thoughtful you You know it's 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 refreshing you know um well i think like you said with anthony green pete's that guy in our band. Pete's your Anthony Green, yeah. And so it's kind of nice to have, and he's really down to earth, and he's an amazing dude, mm-hmm. and he's kind of always had this, you know, aura to him of being a, a, an extremely special, like, person who has some kind of magic. Yeah. You know? Um, but he's, you know, he's a rad dude, but it, it's cool to have someone, I'm a pretty shy person, so it's kind of nice to be in this thing that may be up here, but I'm still feeling like I'm here. Yeah. Because I don't have I don't have the eye of Sauron constantly watching what I do. Yeah. Paparazzi and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing pictures of uh my friend Katie, I think was in a in a Pete and her were going somewhere in a truck or something and they took pictures of it and said, Oh, who's Pete dating now or yeah, whatever. Crazy. Nope. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I saw it in the magazine. The I was thing, like, like, what? That can be a hard world because anything that happens can be scrutinized. Yeah. And a story attached to it that has no basis in reality. Yeah. 
so it's, it's spin it any way they yeah, want. But and you don't have to. You stay out of that. I mean, it happens once in a while, but sure. For the most part, I get to avoid that. Yeah, and you can just. I mean, you're you're to the point where you can, especially in town here. I'm sure, go where you want, do what you want. You're not hassled or anything. I mean, I'm sure yeah. every once in a while, someone you know will recognize you and say, "Oh, hey, can I get you know an autograph yeah, or whatever?" But. Well, you guys came about in a really interesting time to where, and there's always been this, it seems like, to where hardcore guys are super, maybe secretively, into pop punk and into that kind of music. And it was always cool to intermingle, like mm-hmm. Newfound Glory and you guys. Like, they would put out like some hardcore stuff, mm-hmm. and then everyone knows that the Fall Boy guys were into hardcore music and hardcore bands. And that was a really interesting time. I mean, I think that, like you're saying, having these relationships that have gone on so long, having those convictions and everything else, having those ethics from hardcore and putting it into this music that a lot of, you know, uh, I'm sure your peers maybe didn't come from the same area. Maybe they were always in that kind of band, the poppier poppier bands, you know, looking to, you know, blow up and and get huge. I mean, um, so I think everything just kind of happened right for you guys. I mean, I remember back when I was still playing music, like hearing the fall, like right, I think it was when uh, uh, the Cork Tree record came out. Mm-hmm. We had we were on tour with heavy fucking bands yeah. and they'd have be blasting that record That's in their awesome. van, singing at the top of their lungs. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, That's you know, awesome. you don't get in their van and listen to, you know, and you've got tons of hardcore music playing all night long, but in the van it's comedy yeah. and Fall Out totally. Boy. I mean, I think that's you know? how it is in whatever genre you're, you're doing yeah. you're not going to be listening primarily to that because mm-hmm. you're playing that every night you're touring with other bands like that every night yeah because um, i you know in the early days we were probably listening to a lot of pop punk and then as it went we were listening to less and less yeah but i think for us you know because a newfound and chad come from hardcore yeah, and yeah, some yeah. of the other dudes um and where hardcore was kind of going at that time because the, the reason for us was we didn't want to do a pop punk band to get big. We just yeah. wanted to do a pop punk band to have fun because hardcore was getting so obsessed with, you know, fashion sense mm-hmm. and kind of negative. And like the reasons we were all in it, you know, doing political hardcore bands, political punk bands. Yeah. I think it was just getting, we were getting burnt out on it. So we just wanted to do something fun and it kind of mm-hmm. just worked. Okay. The right group of people maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it is wild how I remember playing Eagles Ballroom once and I can't remember who it was. I'm bummed cuz it's a band it's like a like maybe a metalcore band that I really like. Yeah. That was playing in the basement and they were like, "Dude, you're our favorite band or something." And it was just so wild like, "Really?" Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> it's such you. a cool little it was a cool little time. I don't think yeah. it's the same way now. But it was a cool time before when when hardcore and pop punk were blending or people from yeah. hardcore bands were starting side totally. projects yeah. that then got huge, you know, because it appealed to more people. Yeah. And I think that's the the long and short of it is it just appealed to the mass audience. Yeah. I mean, if you look out, you're playing at a, a stadium. I mean, you look, I'm sure you can't see much unless they turn the house lights on. But your crowd is probably extremely diverse, you know, yeah. multi-generational now. It is, yeah. You know, uh, a lot of people Wild. bringing their, their kids or their little brother and sister. I this mean, tour especially, I, I would see in the front row a lot of, like, 
moms or dads that I know were fans. Uh-huh. Like either they're people I've seen a lot of shows. Yeah. Or I can just tell they were old school fans with their kids who are new fans. And it's it's really cool. It's really, I don't know, it's really special. And it, it really touched me a lot of nights mm-hmm. where I'd see that and just be like, music is awesome. Yeah. So cool what it does and how it brings people together and stuff. Sure. It transcends language, everything. Like it's saying, I love how passionate you are about it. I mean, just hearing you you. talk about it, just that it ties into that genuine thing. I mean, you don't see that very often. People will say music's everything to them, but you can tell it's not, you know, they're just saying it. But, um, you know, just from chatting with you, I mean, I can easily believe that and see that in your face, you know, that, you know, you appreciate what you have. You know, you don't take it for granted. And, and, you know, you see some of these videos, like all the production and everything else, you know, the other big thing I was curious about is, is when you're doing a production like that, that much production and you're writing a record, do you guys write towards that production? Or I mean, this like, um, that song century, Mm -hmm. that sounds like it was written for a stadium. Is that go into the writing? Whereas before you're in a jam room writing a record, songs yeah. you want to hear. How much of what it's going to be goes into writing as far um, as the future? I don't know. That That's more of a question for Patrick, I, guess you're right, them, yeah. I think. But I have a feeling both it doesn't it doesn't go into it at all. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, they're Patrick or Joe or Pete with lyrics are just writing melodies that sound good or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. But also that it totally goes into it. Like now that we play more of these shows and, and understand, you know, what gets good reactions and what doesn't, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. I mean, I think everything we've done obviously informs everything we do and, mm-hmm. I think we always try to push the boundaries so we're not trying to write the same song. Yep. So I think a big thing, you know, that we go into writing a new record with is how can we do something pretty different? You know, like not do the same thing we just did. Yeah. So I feel like that there's got to be an essence to that that's like not caring about where you're going to be playing the songs, but at the same time wanting to write, you know, a catchy melodic song that sticks in your head. Sure. That's what you guys are famous for. <laughs> and then I'm sure once the song's written, regardless, you go out there, you play it in that kind of environment, it turns into mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah. It becomes of, that, I guess, as I'm thinking about it, think. as I'm saying. And, that, and that's the thing. When you're writing, you never really know what's going to hit and what yeah. won't hit. I think Uma Thurman... I remember hearing that and being like, this is fucking weird. Like, especially for us, this is so wild and crazy. And I don't know if it, if anyone would care, it's, it's almost too weird. And then it was one of our bigger songs. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, and then, so you being a physical guy, you're into CrossFit Mm -hmm. and, and, and CrossFit has interested me for a while. It's kind of like swept the country and maybe the world. Yeah. Um, but I've watched some of the competitions and things like that. Are they are they regionals or they're like a yeah. um yeah. There's the there's the open and the top twenty go to regionals mm-hmm. and the top five from each region go to the games. Okay. So this ties into veganism a little bit. Yeah. I know how you got into it. 
what keeps you there? Are you are you more of the? I mean, and you may be a blend, but are you more of the animal rights side, the the um, you know the world impact side, or the health side? Uh, definitely it, more ethical. Side. Ethical side. Okay, so you don't. I would be vegan if it killed me. I feel like. Okay. I mean, the health side is great, and especially getting into CrossFit more. Yeah. And getting older, uh, you know is a huge part of it. Yeah. Like the health side is really important, but the reason I got into it and the reason I still am into it and still care about it is, you know, animal rights and, mm-hmm. and the, how it affects the planet. The planet. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's what I was getting at with, with, um, with CrossFit and, and being so health conscious, um, you know, being physically fit, you're in a, a physically demanding profession, drumming, mm-hmm. um, with drumming, going between Fall Out Boy and Sect, do you get the same thrill and uh, exhaustion and and that feeling of clarity, like at the end of a show, from both? Oh, I guess it, yeah. it doesn't matter where you're playing. You could be yeah. playing in this little room here or at the Moda Center. Do you feel the same? You get the same kick from it? Totally. And, and Or is it a very different experience? I mean, but, I get the same kick, but it, they're very vastly different yeah. specific things. Sure. I still... I still love playing with Fall Out Boy and playing with those guys, and mm-hmm. especially this last tour has been our biggest production we've ever had, and it was just awesome and super fun and yeah. kind of surreal. I, I, that's a cool thing. There's still every day. There's still surreal things that happen, mm-hmm. you know, with with Fall Out Boy that blow my mind. So, you know, and and specific shows with you know, crowds that are just awesome and mm-hmm. super loud and it, it's still super special and magical. But sect is a different thing where it's just smaller club, obviously way less yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, maybe a little more moshing and mm-hmm. people, you know, the energy is right in your face and yeah, it, it's definitely this ultimately the same feeling of, of, uh, you know, being, stoked on on playing music but different things going into it sure i think physically sect is way more demanding for a 20 minute set (laughs) than for an hour and a half set yeah that i could you know potentially do three hours and i'd be fine just as fine because i'm i'm also playing every night for the last 15 whatever years i'm yeah i'm used to it conditioned sect shows you know we do a weekend and the first show will be brutal uh-huh and i'll be so tight um and it's you know pretty fast yeah and so the second show i get a little looser and by the third show i'm i'm pretty warmed up to it and yeah. sadly it's that's usually all we get yeah <laughs> which sucks because i would love to do a whole tour and see where i'm at at the end of it yeah um but yeah so Okay. It's different. It's a lot harder. Is there plans for Sec to do a full tour? I mean, are you going to have time to do that? Uh, I mean, this next record, what Mania is coming out in January. January, yeah. What's the tour cycle on that? Two years? So it's gonna. Well, I think that all depends on you know how it goes. Yeah. Really, we have plans, you know, for the next year or yeah. whatever, okay. which is you know normal. Yeah. Because um, I mean, now with with people aren't buying physical copies of things anymore. The whole industry's changed as oh, yeah. far as what you it's have crazy. to do, and then. You know, everyone's got their camera phones, so every song's going to be up on YouTube and yep. and things like that. I mean, does that shorten or lengthen the tour cycle? I mean, is uh, it is it really affected? I, that I feel much? like tour 
tour cycle record cycles have been similar to what they've always been okay okay i mean and maybe we're just lucky and it's gone well yeah yeah but you're able to i mean you know what you're getting into with each record pretty much i mean things will happen along the way but you know what to expect and and you may not get to do a full tour with sect in the next year or so so well we have a little break in may i think okay i'm hoping to do more stuff with i mean this last year we haven't been able to Mm -hmm. tour regardless because scott is married and his Mm -hmm. wife works full-time okay and he's got two kids, yeah. so he's kind of the stay-at-home dad okay. during the week. Um, and she's off during weekends, so that's why we can only really do weekends at the moment. Yeah. Um, next year, hopefully, there will be a little more time, and maybe in May we can do a little longer. That'd be amazing. And but I, I think definitely next record SEC does will kind of wait mm-hmm. to have more of a break. Though I think after this next Fall Boy record, I'm, I'm sure we'll take more of a break. Yeah. And now so, that everyone has kids and just it's a different world for us sure sure i have three kids myself yeah. I, I don't want to go anywhere after <laughs> yeah. you know at this point like i love it when i can do these interviews right after work or whatever because it's it's perfect yeah. you know then i go home i'm done and 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 uh um i definitely appreciate you you doing it this time of day i know you're kind of in flux as you were saying yeah. your schedule but so with you were kind of you're kind of living both worlds on the recording side and the touring side. I mean, you're yeah. doing literally arena to bar, yeah. And you're doing I don't know where you guys recorded Mania, but you went from recording Mania, which I'm sure was not at a studio like Kurtz. No, oh, yeah. I mean, positive it's not. Yeah. But going between recording the the Sect record with Kurt Ballou at God City. Mm-hmm. And going between, you know, recording Mania. Where where did you guys record Mania? Uh, all over. All over the place. Um, just okay. I recorded at like four or five different studios. Oh my god! Because we do batches of songs. Okay. With different producers and things yeah, like that, and depending and, on what the song calls for. Okay. Because usually, I mean, that's what's crazy. Like, there's that difference too. There's a difference between like Fall Out Boy is a pretty modern production. Yeah. Where the other dudes record their stuff at home. Okay. There's like full drum programming and stuff. And then I'll come in and replace or add to that and, you know, either be cut up and kind of tweaked to sound more like programming, okay. program drums or uh-huh. something. Mania is interesting because save rock and roll in American beauty. I played on, but they're, definitely tweaked and there's definitely you know drum programming that's happening mm-hmm. alongside or yeah. over it or whatever mania is probably th- the most i've actually recorded in a while which is cool excellent okay but you know it is a different thing like the way modern recording happens is pretty quick yeah kurt's pretty old school where yeah you're doing take upon take and making sure you nail everything because that's it yeah and it, it's a you know, a metal record, so you're not... Well, I guess modern metal records do a lot of drum uh, triggering True, and, yeah. and, and stuff anyway. But yeah. for, for that record, we wanted it to be really raw Okay. in, in what we played, so we did spend the time. And yeah. so it's pretty wild doing that, too, like the difference between those two. Like going in and doing one or two takes for Fall Out Boy, and, yeah. and they're going to like pitch shift or, or do things to make it sound kind of crazy anyway. Yeah. And add all these effects to it, or sample, yeah. sample, whatever, for yep. taking your 
uh straight tracks and that's one thing that blew my mind with was the drum sampling thing like that like i don't like the sound of your kick so we're gonna put this sound over the top of it it's so fucking weird but with with sect dude you guys accomplished that thing is a ferocious record and and kurt's great i've had him on the show and uh he's the best everyone has the best thing it's honestly the best experience i've ever had in a studio he's first off i've wanted to record with him since i was a kid yeah converge has been one of my favorite hardcore bands they are probably my favorite hardcore band or if not my personal favorite i would say they're the best hardcore band Mm -hmm. i think earth crisis and cursed cursed is actually my favorite hardcore band which is cool to be in a band with yeah exactly but um (laughs) like converge is just uh, they just continually reinvent themselves they continually sound better every record they're the best players in music in hardcore music yeah like Nate is unbelievable, great voice, great bass player. Kurt is obviously an amazing guitarist, the best producer in, in heavy music. And Ben Culler is probably my favorite drummer now. He's insane. And it's <laughs> and obviously Jake is great and yeah. you know, amazing lyricist and artist and yep. they're just amazing. So I've always wanted to record with him. Mm-hmm. It's always been like probably my number one bucket list thing. Yeah. In terms of music. So that was awesome. And he's just brilliant. Like he hears exactly what needs to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, first take, he'd be like, okay, do this and this. And, and, you know, when I play, when I record, I'm list, I know what I need to make, do better mm-hmm. in my takes. And he nailed it every time and had like ideas like, why don't you add a, you know, a hi-hat keeping time here for this part? Cause it sounds empty. And I did. And it, it like made the part infinitely better, even if it's super subtly. Yeah. And he's just so, and obviously his guitar tones and I mean, just off the floor, how dialed in the drums were, we could have put out the rough mixes and they would be amazing. Yeah. And then when he mixes it, it's even better. Like he's just so, he's great. He's yeah, he's a he's a brilliant human being. He is. And just talking to him, I mean, you can just tell, I mean, his passion for things and 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 his knowledge and but he's very not by the books the wrong word. He's very matter of fact. Like oh, totally. he's very like, well, that's stupid. Just do it this way, you no, know? Totally, like yeah. and, and that's one thing I got from right away. I was like, we were talking about recording through a hot dog or something like that <laughs> and then uh <laughs> I forget what else we were talking about, but they've kept everything in house with Converge, the yeah. artwork, everything. So everything's, oh, yeah. I think they're self managed even. Like it, I believe it. And now he's making guitar pedals and selling oh, them at the merch and table. And guitars. I mean, yeah. And instruments. He, I played a GCI snare on the Sect record. Really? Yeah. Man. That, I mean, he's and, very pragmatic. And yeah. He, well, he's an engineer. Yeah. He engineered yeah, yeah. That something was his... that kind of paid for the studio and stuff, I think. He's just such a brilliant guy and yeah. so nice and yeah. cool. And then you sign to sign to epitaph or whatever and get a recording advance or whatever. And Oh, well we'll record ourselves. Yeah. There you go. There's some more gear, you know, totally. it's genius. It is. But I remember recording the sect record and in, in the bathroom mm-hmm. right off the studio was the whiteboard of the converge record. Uh huh. Just like a million songs or for the dusk and like us, the one the, they just yeah, did all the different parts. Yeah. I mean, there are way more songs that are on the record. So I, I always wonder what happened to those songs. Yeah. I mean, being in a band where we have those songs and nothing happens, most of them just 
get locked away. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, but I always want to hear those songs. Yeah. But man, that's insane. That, that the position you're in being between these two very different worlds. I mean, is it just refreshing or is it exhausting? It is, yeah. okay. I think it, it definitely keeps it all fun and keeps it interesting. Yeah. That I can kind of go back and forth. And I mean, and I love, not that I'm bored ever with Fall Boy. I love it. I love mm-hmm. those dudes. We're best friends. We get along better now than we ever have. Um, you know, now that we're adults and we, we took a hiatus to kind of figure out our shit and learn how to get along better yeah. and write music better together. Um, and obviously, it's really fun t- mm-hmm. doing shows with crazy productions. It's it's like it's entertaining for me as much as it is, um, you know, hopefully for the people at the show because... Mm-hmm. You know, we had a B and a C stage that we travel under the, the this catwalk. There's like a little cart that takes us. And it's just so, what? it's like so cool. You know, <laughs> it's like a play or something that I'm a That's part of. That's amazing. So it's not that I ever get bored with it, but it is cool to be able to do this other thing that, you know, scratches this other itch of heavy music. Yeah. Super, you know, political, kind of in your face. Yeah. And it's all, you know, a vegan straightage band and sure. all these things that are also really important. Yeah. And because I, I think, I think Fall Boy is really political in its own way. Yeah. And, and it might be, you know, a little more basic compared to Sector Race Trader, obviously, but it's such an important thing. Yeah. Because of, you know, a lot of our fans are younger, going mm-hmm. through a lot of shit that we all went through. And it's so important to, that they have a place and, and hopefully that, maybe being in a fall boy can get them into other things. Yeah. You know, wh- whether it's my personal influence of being in a CrossFit or vegan straight edge or, yeah. you know, just so many different routes, you know, beyond it's important to leave something bigger than the stupid music we make. So for the last fall boy tour, we had, uh, the champion, we had champions every night, that did different things for charity. And so Mm -hmm. we pick a kid each night, meet with them. And then at the end of tour, uh, part of the ticket sales went into a a fund for those charities Mm -hmm. that we give a certain percentage to each charity. And I think that's more important to me than playing shows like that. Hopefully that gets kids into doing, even if it's just a selfish reason so they can meet us, maybe that makes them think more, about yeah. what can they do to make this a better world? Sure. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a crazy time. So it is, we need all the help we can get from insane. the kids that are going to be the ones to inherit it all. So Yeah, that's a big thing to realize that the, the reach that you have and a huge gift to have that kind of reach. I mean, you guys single-handedly could ch- do a huge change in the world, you know? Yeah. Having that platform yeah. is insane. I mean, that responsibility behind it too. And, and, uh, you know, the way you guys are, are going about it and, you know, the image of fallout boy has always been great, you know, and, um, it's always been like a positive, positive force, which has been awesome, you know, and that's crazy what you're saying about going under the stage. And, and so you see you literally, so like after a certain, you know, three or four songs, you go over to this other stage, you literally just hop on this thing through the set. And you hop on and go, go down the back and the stage. Has this is this all whole, something like, you build in the arena. Yeah, every day. Every day. There's like this hole underneath the main stage. 
and then there's a catwalk and there's like a a cart that goes runs on tracks uh-huh underneath. like a like a mining cart yeah. yep well it's this just is flat, some Def leopard yeah, shit kind man. of yeah this totally. <laughs> this is metallica shit and i go in and it's covered and then the thing comes up and lifts me in the air oh my god so going from five years old buying that first Metallica yeah. record to then to having that. a production the size of Metallica, a band the size of Metallica, I would I would assume pretty close. I mean, when you put your head on your pillow at night, yeah. I know you can I know you can go to sleep easy because you're doing everything with <laughs> integrity, but is there part of that that just sinks in like every night, head hits the pillow, holy shit, yeah, totally. What did I do with my day yesterday? What did you do with your day yesterday? You There's know. definitely times where it's it just it's still surreal. It's too big. It's too surreal. Yeah. Where it's just like, holy shit, this is yeah. weird. This is crazy. And you're, I mean, what you're doing, playing the drums. I mean, of course, there's other parts to it, but playing the drums employs a group of people that their livelihood is what you it's, do. That's weird to think about too. That's it. you're a corporation. Yeah. Not to say it in the negative context, but I mean, people survive off of you. Yeah, you know, you may not have kids, but you are thing. supporting kids at the same time doing what you're yeah. doing. It's just insane. I just have to say it because it's it's something, you know, I'm seeing in my guys. Like, there's a 20 person crew. It's like what? All of a sudden, yeah, you know, it's really it's crazy, and that's their life. And, and it's hard. I do th- that does hit me sometimes, but it can be hard to always think that because mo- you know our crew, our dudes we've known for a long time yeah. and are friends yeah. with. And have been with us for a long time. So it's just a bunch of friends. But yeah, yeah ultimately, I guess it's like this business. <laughs> yeah. And they're learning a trade, yeah, basically, totally. at the same time as you guys are learning how to keep it going. Mm-hmm. They're learning how to rig and all this other stuff. It's just intense. Yeah. It's really, I don't think people realize how much work goes into that. Oh, and totally. to do that every day, I mean, shit. I mean, <laughs> people look at Warp Tour like, how do they build this every day? This is insane. You know, you guys have a, I know some people have like an A and B crew that, that, that are an advanced crew that goes to the next town and sets up, but you guys do it every day. Yeah. Just all roll in, all roll out. That, I feel like A and B crew is like U2 level. Yeah. Or Bruce Springsteen yeah. or whatever, an advanced, you know, I think maybe he did like what, three shows in one day. But yeah. Maybe you will. <laughs> maybe you will. It's entirely possible, you know? That's and crazy. well, I want to touch too on you've got Oracle down here on the yep. South Waterfront in Portland. Um, I literally I've been at this office for a year now, and I had heard about it through Minardi. That's mm-hmm. what took me to hear Dang. about it. But uh, I want to make sure people know about it. I didn't know he knew all that. I don't know. I, yeah, it's, <laughs> I haven't talked like, to yeah, him yeah, for a long in Portland, time. Portland, he's got a coffee shop there, and I was like, "What? It's crazy." Yeah, I think he thought you lived out in the Milwaukee area or whatever, but the. Um, Something about a Cribs episode or something was was that was in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, oh, I was thinking Milwaukee. Yeah. That's why I thought you'd been here. When longer. I was moving here, I was like, maybe I should move to Milwaukee, Oregon. Yes, yeah. that would just be perfect. But whatever. <laughs> well, in and touching back on on your mom, mm-hmm. uh, she's she's still with us, right? Yep. Okay. What does she think of all this? Oh, she. When you go home, like, is she just the proudest woman in the oh, world? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. There's nothing. She always has newspaper clippings, and and I'm always like, "Thanks so much." And then like, I don't want that. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to read about. But she'll still do it, right? Yeah, she still calls me about some TV thing, (laughs) 
usually mad that I didn't tell her we're doing it. Yeah. So now I have to make sure like to give her the next three months <laughs> so I don't forget because, yeah. you know, yeah. Oh beware if I miss telling her we're playing some TV thing. Sure. You go but home yeah, for the she's, holidays she's and there's so a dossier of information. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I was there. I get it. Yep. <laughs> Man, that's fantastic. It's cool. Though. Well, and, and getting involved with Southern Lord. I wanted to know oh, how yeah. you got involved with Greg and, and Southern Lord. Greg's um, awesome. Yeah. Did you did you guys have known each other for a while then? Uh, I've known him for a few years. Okay. I did a, a band enabler. I played drums on a record okay. and toured a little bit on a Southern Lord tour with Black Breath, The Secret, God, and band Burning is Love. Fucking awesome. Black Breath is amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. They're one of the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Burning Love, which is how I met Chris uh-huh. initially. Um, and yeah, we did a. Enabler, the record I did with them, put the record out on Southern Lord, and mm-hmm. Greg was just, I didn't even, he didn't even ask if I could sign a contract or not. He just didn't have me sign it. Which it was, is oh, because of crazy. your, your yeah. obligations to uh, Island? Yeah, which is unheard of. Like, Greg is a dude who puts out records that he loves and yeah. that he likes, that sure. he's into. He doesn't do it because he's trying to like make money he he just runs a label where i mean that's that's why i think i love southern lord so much is because you look at labels and i like 90 percent of the bands maybe more on southern lord yeah so of course i want to put out a record on that label sure and then with sect we we came to him and he was instantly stoked mm-hmm. and same thing had the other guys sign the one record contract i think i don't even know what it was but didn't even yeah like scott was just like yeah we signed the contract i was like do i did i need to do anything he's like no he said you don't have to worry about it yeah don't even worry about the red it's so rad man that's incredible dude you've got such an amazing story and position but to be so down to earth and just you you know i i really i value these conversations a lot when they're when they're like this because i i I love meeting people that are genuine and doing something, you know, for a reason and, and, uh, really stoked to, to have you on the show, man. I Thank appreciate you. the Thank time. Thank you so much. Yeah. But, absolutely. uh, it, so what else is going on? You've got, you've got the fall boy shows coming up. Mm-hmm. Probably not a ton of sex stuff. Uh, I think we're trying to do once a month. Okay. So fall boys doing a lot of international. Yeah. Um, probably up until like May of next year. Okay. But I think we have little breaks between the different areas. Okay. Internationally that, Sect will do weekends okay. here and there when we can. Okay. Um, there'll probably be some race trader stuff too because awesome. that band's still active Excellent. Like, or active again. That is um, a, also a ferocious band. Yeah, thank oh you. my God. Love that sound. Um, so the Sect record is out on Southern Lord now. Yep. And uh, Mania is coming out in January. January 19th, I think. January 19th. Something like that. Okay. Right on, Andrew. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you. it. Definitely. Awesome. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andrew Hurley from Fallout Boy and from Sect. I had a great time chatting with him. What a fascinating dude and so genuine. Just a really, really unique guy with a passion for so many things and just a fun conversation. I mean, him and I, we've met maybe a couple times through the years on tours and stuff like that, like, hey, how you doing at a lunch or catering or whatever. But to not have met each other and been friends and things like that, to be able to sit down and have a just a a nice conversation, you know, uh, it was just great. And that's the thing I love about this show is the conversational piece. 
and, you know, meeting people, talking to people, you know, I love to talk as you can tell, but, you know, just a good time all around and, and had a blast with Andrew and, and, uh, what a great coffee house he's got and, you know, just, just all over the place. So if for some reason you've been living under incredibly deep rock in the ground and do not know who he is, check out fallout boy, check out sect. The new album is out on Southern Lord. It is amazing. And the new Fallout Boy record's coming out. I mean, there's just stuff happening everywhere. And, uh, you know, you can definitely find him on tour here in the coming coming months after the holiday. Um, and he's going to be all over the place. So we are on PurePleasurePodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter. Hit up the Patreon, patreon.com slash PurePleasurePodcast. And sign up for the Pleasure Seekers Club. Get some of that merch. And we've got rockabilia.com on board. Check out rockabilia.com. Head over to Stumptown Coffee Roasters. Head over to Oracle, actually, as well, and check out Andy's uh, shop. It's it's fantastic on the waterfront. Stumptown's got a few new locations, and they are our newest sponsor of the show, and we really appreciate having them on board. Absolutely stoked for that and keeping the staff caffeinated and keeping you know, those late nights rolling. So... We are so glad to have you guys week after week. We got more awesome stuff coming up in the coming weeks. We will not miss a beat. And we've got a special surprise for the Christmas episode. We've got some cool stuff for the New Year's episode. We've got stuff coming up left and right. So keep listening. Keep supporting the show. Keep spreading the word. And as always, we'll see you on the radio. This is Blasco, host of Manage Mental, part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Manage Mental brings you our takes on the modern day music business and how we mentally approach the profession of management. Join Mike Mowry and myself as we cover hot topics in the industry, answer fan questions, provide insight on sales numbers, and showcase new music with a slant toward developing artists. Listen and subscribe at JabberjawMedia.com.